Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them the tools that they can find and use to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to have a great time talking with someone about marketing, about uh, social media, about women business owners, about starting your own business. Holy cow. I already know we're not. We've got more than the hour we'll fill. Um, but anyhow, please join me in welcoming Jennifer Dotson to our program. Hello, how are you? Doing absolutely <laughs> fabulous, Jennifer. So before we proceed, though, let me tell folks just a little bit about you. So sure. Jennifer Dotson is the founder and chief creative officer at A Dash More Creative. In addition to serving on the board for AAF Baltimore, Jennifer was on the board of Animal Rescue. ARRF and regularly volunteers with student groups. Jennifer was honored by the Daily Record in 2014 as top 20 in 20s and in 2016 as a leading woman. She earned bachelor degrees in mass communication and art from Towson University in 2009 and a master's in the business of art and design from MICA in 2012. Since graduating, Jennifer's taken on an adjunct teaching role at both schools. So, holy cow, you know, welcome, 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 Jennifer. Thank you. You know, it's always it, weird hearing my bio. I know, it's always fun to hear our bios. You know, it's like, ooh, <laughs> you know, we, we sound really good um, because it's true. Yeah, we, we do. And what I love is that you've done so much already and you are hmm, a youngster. I know you probably hear that all the time, especially from us oldies. But the the point is you're not a youngster. I mean, you might not be mature in age, but you're very skilled. You're very knowledgeable. And, you know, I think that's a misperception that so many people have about millennials. And, you know, it's funny, I saw something on Facebook just the other day that, you know, this guy was saying, you know, I was invited to a conference on how to market to millennials. He said, don't we already know how to do that? It's not like they're 12 years old. And, you know, and I thought that's true, but millennials are different and we've got a lot of misperceptions about them. And, you know, marketing to them is, is you know, we have to market different to baby boomers, all those various things. But, um, you know, so that's why I'm fascinated to talk with you because you do reach that younger demographic that sometimes just totally perplexes the us us oldsters well it's really not that different and that's right. what a lot of people as you were saying just mm -hmm. overcomplicate. right you know we're, we're thinking <gasps> we have to market to the millennials <gasps> we have to market to generation x <gasps> we have to market no you know <clears throat> people are looking for the same things you know they want their problems solved they want you know luxury or they want you know, um, basic items, all these various things, there is just a, a, you know, a slight little difference. And it's funny because I get really annoyed when people say, Ew, we have to market specifically to women and it has to be pink. And I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, now, obviously, you know, there are some, some products and things for that, but you know, we should market to people, not the categories that they're in. I completely agree with you. And Really, marketing is all about knowing who your audience is. And to try and say your audience is all millennials is short-sighted. Right. There's a segment of that generation that you're targeting, and there's something about them that 
you need to capture and connect with for marketing to be successful. Right. You know, because many millennials now have started families. Um, yep. You know, they've gotten married. They really aren't just 12 years old now. You know, they're in their 20s and early 30s. And, you know, so the way we marketed to baby boomers when they were became parents, you know, Generation Xers when they got married, it is, you know, it's a lot of the same. But they there are slightly different values. And it's been very interesting to me to actually talk with millennials because in in a lot of ways, I think, you know, they're... they're uh, it, one of the things, and 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 this actually showed in your bio. One of the things that's no, numerous people have pointed out is millennials are so much more socially conscious and socially aware. Um, yep. They, you know, they volunteer more. They do get more involved in their communities. All those various things. And to me, that is an extremely good thing. I agree, and I think a lot of it comes from seeing parents work so hard. Right. At jobs and never turn off. And that was what you had to do that they don't want to be that if they're Mm going to work really hard, they want to give back and feel like they're making an impact. And Mm -hmm. the Tom shoes, buy one, get one phenomenon and everything Mm -hmm. like that is really showing through. Right. Now, they might want to play harder, too, because, you know, they, they do. They say, you know, we've earned it. You know, and and so you're, you know, as as we were saying, there is slightly different ways to market to them. <clears throat> but, you know, it it also really annoys me when people say millennials are lazy, they don't take responsibility. You know, all these various things. That's hello. That's every generation. Yep. <laughs> you know, we've we've got that everywhere. And the difference is that we millennials grew up with technology, so we're used to multitasking. We're used to always being able to look up the answer. We want to understand why something is being done, not just do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And because you're so familiar with technology, you do in, in many ways do things much quicker, um, you know, because you, you know, oh, well, I can just do this and this and this. And I'm going, you want me to what? You know, and, <laughs> and, um, and it's funny, you mentioned multitasking. Just yesterday, I posted a little meme on Facebook that said, I'm really good at multitasking. But in, for me, it's actually a matter of doing something till I remember what it was that I was doing. <laughs> you <know>? and, you <laughs> know, and, you know, sadly, hmm, that is kind of true. But, but yeah, you know, millennials are very good at multitasking and they're good at doing multitasking well. You know, I think there is, is often a misperception that when people multitask, we do things poorly because we're only doing things kind of halfway. But, you, you know, as millennials, they, you know, you and they are used to, the shortcuts that you can take, you know, all these various things and doing things well and and being able to do multiple things at one time. I agree. It is funny every once in a while, though, I'll use shortcuts on my computer and other millennials will be like, wait, what did you just do? How did you do that? And I'm teaching a class at Towson University right now on mass media graphics. So Mm -hmm. it's intro to graphic design for marketing majors. Ah. And, um, it's hilarious. Like half the class is really quick and picks up the software super mm-hmm. fast. And half the class is like, wait, what? What Was am that I keyboard <laughs> shortcut? <laughs> um, so again, it's just like every generation, there's going to be people that have strengths and weaknesses in mm-hmm. different areas. And it's exciting. Right, right. 
You know, and, and you mentioned the fact that we absolutely, no matter what product or service you have, we have to determine who our actual market is. It's not all millennials. It's not all baby boomers, you know, all those various things. And I think that's where so many businesses struggle. Um, I've shared this story multiple times on, on my program that I was at a networking event one time and, and we were asked, you know, stand up and, and say what what your product was and who your perfect perfect target market was. And actually, I've gotten to the point. I don't like that term target market. I don't have a target on my face, you know, you know <laughs> and it's potential. It's what, but anyhow, so this woman stood up and she sold skincare products. And so she said her target audience was everyone because, hello, we all have skin. And then she's, you know, and so that was who a good referral would be, anyone. Of course, we all completely and totally drew blanks. No, you know, we couldn't think of people with skin. I mean, it really was was funny. <laughs> and so we worked with her to fine tune who she wanted to reach. And she came up with the fact that she wanted to really, you know, clearly she'd sell her product to whoever, but she did, her niche was going to be 16-year-old boys who had acne. Every single time she said that, every single person knew somebody to refer to her because she had it down to exactly who the best person was. Now, was that very limiting? Of course. But it was where for her she could make the, the most impact and, and also, you know, make the most money. Sure. And it's so true that when you ask someone a really broad question, it's like, how was your day today? Good. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> We always get that answer. When you can ask a more specific question, like, what did you accomplish today? You're going to get, it makes your brain think differently and mm -hmm. can recall things better. And, and that's good copywriting. That's good. Everything is when you can really hone in on the specifics and what makes someone different and get right. their brain thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it does seem to be in, in some ways counterintuitive because when you're going from, say, a potential of a hundred thousand people down to a thousand, you know, especially as a small business owner, you're going, Oh my gosh, you know, but, but I need to make money. I need to sell as to as many people as I can, you know, as much as I can. And so thinking, Oh, I have to fine tune it is, is it gives people hives. I mean, you know, it's really difficult. And I know a lot of what you do is kind of that strategic planning for people. So how do you work through this issue? You know, getting people to really focus on what their, their potential audience is. We have a variety of exercises that we use. Um, we usually start by just brain dumping everything. So mm -hmm. across all the products, across all the different verticals of a company, we go through a list of demographics, psychographics, behavioral traits, and um, environmental factors. So mm -hmm. demographics, we always say, are the facts, the things that don't change. Right. How old are they? Where are they located? We have a list of trigger categories for B2B and B2C that we always reference so we can kind of quickly just brain dump everything. Mm -hmm. Psychographics is obviously the how do they think. Behavioral is a lot more interesting because it's mm -hmm. what do they actually do. Mm -hmm. So people can always say like, oh, I'm a really organized person. But if you show up five minutes late all the time, like you're, you're not, not that an organized, organized person. <laughs> you might be organized in some things, but mm -hmm. you can't keep track of time. Right. Um, so understanding that difference between what people think and what they do and then environmental, like how are they affected by, I mean, the topic of the moment, politics mm -hmm. and other things like that. 
once we get that list, we try to identify what are the things that stay the same? What are the things that are almost always there? And we'll pull those out of the list and there are constants in this experiment. Then we look at the variables and what varies the most. (laughs) So if there's, um, for instance, we recently did this and a big difference was the size of the organization, which also influenced who in the organization they were talking to. So when it's a small organization, you could talk directly to the CEO and Mm -hmm. The messaging and the reasoning behind all of that is going to be a lot different than when it's a large organization and you're dealing with a middle manager who then has to work it up the ladder, but mm-hmm. you don't ever get to talk to people up the ladder. You have to talk to the middle manager and um, kind of use those to create sub buckets that we can target and build messaging to build content towards and really resonate with them. Right. Well, and it's interesting because what you've said may mean that there's multiple messages. And I think that's sometimes where business owners and marketing folks get caught up as they think, oh, I only have one message. No, you're talking to different people. You know, as you mentioned, you might in some cases be talking to the business owner. In other cases, you're talking to somebody who has to get approval. You know, all these various things. And and so your messages have to be very different. Well, I mean, we do it with our own companies social media, Facebook, we know as our friends and family, there are supporters or cheerleaders, what have you, but mm-hmm. most of them don't know what we do. Right. They don't understand it. They don't get it. And so, they don't, it's not that they don't care, but they don't care. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just not, they're a nurse. Right. They're a mm-hmm. um, quality control engineer, something that like has nothing to do with marketing. Right. Mm-hmm. So there we celebrate, we'll post things like we worked remotely from a restaurant a few weeks ago and we posted a photo of that, got a ton of engagement. We, mm-hmm. um, I recently got an award, we posted that, that got a ton of engagement. So, mm-hmm. but our articles that we post don't go very far. So we don't post that many marketing related things because we post enough that they're familiar with us, but not right. so much that they're like, I don't want to follow this anymore. Mm-hmm. And then on LinkedIn, we can get very specific with right. as much detail as we want and people eat it up and they're still and supporters of us. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and, and I think that's one of the things that I'm always working with people to tell them is you know, you have to post different content on the different sites. Now it might be about the same thing, but it has to be worded differently and and things like that. And so that's, you know, where it drives me nuts when people use the third party programmers and you know, the, the uh, interfaces like, you know, Hootsuite, Buffer, all of those things. And they just write one post and they have it go to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. And you can tell because it doesn't show up right on at least one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It it truncates it. It does, you know, because if you want it to show up on Twitter, it's gotta be short. You know, and, and of course, on Facebook, you have more space. People expect you to be more verbose. They obviously expect you to be more business focused on LinkedIn. You know, and, and so I tell people, take the extra minute, you know, two minutes, 30 seconds, whatever it takes to rewrite the post for each specific platform. Well, and the analogy I usually give people is if you have 
news you want to share with someone, you're going to say it slightly differently to your parents, your child, your coworker, your best friend, and your neighbor. Right. It's all the same thing, but worded differently. Yep. You know, and, and it's also important to actually figure out, you know, back to what you were talking about with demographics and things like that, where they are. You know, I'm not on Instagram. That really holds no appeal to me. But if the people I was trying to reach were on Instagram, then I had darn well better be on Instagram. Yep. You know, and, and all those various things. I, I gave a seminar last night on, on LinkedIn, and it was for job seekers. And several of them said, well, I'm not on LinkedIn. And, and I said, are you looking for what type of position? And they said, well, you know, kind of management. I said, I'm sorry, then you absolutely have to be on LinkedIn. And they looked at me and they said, but I'm on Facebook. I said, eh. <laughs> you know, yeah, I said, but LinkedIn you know, is one of the first places I go when I get an application from someone right. to just kind of see mm-hmm. who are they. Conne- I mean, there's a, I'm from Baltimore and everyone says small tomorrow around here because right. it's small town. Mm-hmm. It's a big city with a, where people are very connected. So if I pull up someone and they know I have zero mutual connections, that's usually a flag for me right. on like if they're trying to do a business development role, I'm like, no, you should at least know someone that I know. Right. That's, right. Well, and you know, it's, it's it, the, just using the numbers, you know, one of the, the people in the seminar last night was looking for, uh, she actually has an interview with one of the County entities here. And she was, she was asking, you know, does anybody know anybody at the County level? <clears throat> so I brought up my LinkedIn account and I searched now I'm, you know, I'm a power user on LinkedIn, but, not to the extreme of a lot of people. I have just under 3,000 connections. And so I, you know, I typed in the county and, and, you know, just to see kind of vague. And so just typing the county name, it came up with over 15,000 ways that there were connections. And the first three were actually the people she was interviewing with. And, and I told her, I said, see, see, this is why you need to do LinkedIn. (laughs) Yep. And no, but, oh, go ahead. It is very interesting how many people don't have LinkedIn or just don't know how to use it. I get requests from people all the time and I'm like, who, like, why are you sending me this request? At least include a little blurb of why you think we should right. be connected or mm-hmm. what have you. Mm-hmm. And unless I, every once in a while I'll stumble across someone like, recently I found someone we had 250 shared connections and I'm like, wow. Okay, if we have this many shared connections, we should get coffee. Right, right. Clearly, we're orbiting in the same place, and we just haven't been on the same side of the planet at the same time. But Mm -hmm. other times, it's like 11 mutual connections, and I look at who they are, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. Right. No, I'm done. I'm not. No, I'm not going to do well, and I love the the new LinkedIn interface, you know, because it, it when you do the request to connect, it 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 always had that generic. I would like to connect with you because blah, 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 you know, um, but now it nags you and it says more people connect when you use a personalized response, and you know, it's like okay, I will do that, um, you know, and 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 again, take the thirty seconds, take the minute. You know, I had somebody in class last night. He said, I don't, you know, I got a request to connect from somebody and I couldn't figure out why. I said, did you ask him? <laughs> And, and he was just baffled. I said, go back to him and say, you know, hey, Bob, thank you for the request to connect on LinkedIn. I'm curious as to why you think it would be beneficial. I yep. said, if, if he doesn't respond, then you knew it wasn't good. If he responds by saying, because I want you to buy something from me, then that's not good. 
But, you know, he might respond and say, oh, sorry, it's because, yada, yada, yada. And then you can determine it was, you know, a good fit or not. Exactly. So, but, but yeah, so we, uh, we've really digressed. I don't know how we got off on this tangent, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, it is about knowing who your target market is and, and really communicating with them in the best way possible. See, there I segued us back. There you go. Um, you know, and so I want to talk about your agency because you've recently made some big transitions with it. And again, it's called a dash more creative. So tell us why you originally started your agency and where did the name come about? I love that. So the name came about because, uh, it was this idea we wanted to do a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, we didn't want to just be pigeonholed in one area we started mostly with graphic design work okay. and we saw so many freelance graphic designers and small design shops that would just design things, but they didn't keep your target audience in mind. They didn't think about what they the, designed goal, the pretty picture. Yeah. They didn't think of the goal of the piece. They didn't challenge anything that they were doing. So we started, we're like, well, we're going to be a dash more. We'll do the design, but we're also going to ask the questions to make sure that this design does what it needs to do. Um, as, that evolved we ended up doing more and more of the marketing side of things and less of the design we were still design was still the final outcome mm -hmm. but the marketing strategy and all that questioning was really where people found the most value in us and just was a lot of fun um and recently the big change that we've had is just solely focusing on that strategy piece asking the right questions we say we, we get the answers to the questions you didn't know to ask. So there's a ton of companies out there doing digital marketing. Mm -hmm. you, you can throw a rock and hit like seven of them. They'll do social media, SEO, pay-per-click, um, email marketing, what have you. But a lot of the business owners and the companies hiring these firms don't understand how it works so they don't know what questions to ask they right. don't know if it's set up right they don't know if the statistics they're being shown in a report mean anything mm -hmm. and we want to be we're going to stop doing the implementation and competing against that and now try to help our clients use those people more effectively and mm -hmm. ultimately it'll be cheaper for them because we can leverage everyone's strengths for just the piece that we need and no one has all the overhead of a large agency with all these pieces, mm -hmm. but we'll work closely together with some partners that have specialties. And if you're a really weird product, I have the SEM company that you should work with. If mm -hmm. you're a HVAC company, I have a company that like specializes in that area. So go to them. Great. It works well for everyone. Cool. And the, the nice thing is, you're not just saying, oh, here, go call these people. You've thought it through and you know it's going to be a good fit. Yep. Great. So, you know, as I mentioned, you recently decided to reboot the business. What was kind of that thought process? Because, and, and the reason I want to really discuss this is this happens a lot of times with small businesses. They're thinking, you know, is this is this what we wanted to do when we grew up? <laughs> and and they're thinking it's not, but then they get hit by total paralysis. You know, it's been it you know, it's been working well. Why should we want to change it? Or I don't know anything else. Why you know, why could how could I change? So why did you decide you needed to reboot and what was that process? 
So it's been a roller coaster. 2016 was a very, very interesting year for us, for me personally and for the business. Mm -hmm. When 2016 started, we had a ton of work. We had more work than we knew how we were going to do it. We're scrambling to find freelancers and get it all done and trying to hire people. And it was exciting, but also really overwhelming and a lot of work. And then we noticed that some of the work we were winning wasn't really work we were passionate about. We were just doing it so that we could hire the next person to get more work done. And Mm -hmm. that was a challenge. And I mentioned that personally I had a... um, well, I had been sexually assaulted and oh. dealing with the dealing ap- with that is yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dealing with that kind of changed my perspective on like a lot of things. Mm-hmm. How much I was worrying about that I didn't want to worry that I didn't right. need to Your worry. priorities definitely I, shifted. Yeah. So as I was going through all of that, it was just a learning curve and mm-hmm. Really analyzing who am I, what do I want to be, what do I want to be known for. Mm -hmm. We gained a lot of experience in the first six years of the company that I could leverage to have a lot more credibility and a much stronger network now than I did when we started. Mm -hmm. And then I sat back and said, what does the market really need of everything that's going on? What is, Mm -hmm. what's the need out there. And I kept finding all these people that are like, so confused. I'd see RFPs for websites that were clearly no one had any idea how a website's built when they wrote this RFP. And they found one online and they cut and pasted it (laughs) and made it worse. And Mm -hmm. over time, they've just gotten really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started kind of slowly just asking a few trusted partners, like, Hey, if I did this, what do you think about it? How do you think it would work? Do you it? Can you think of people that would use this? And the response was really good. So just kind of went for it. And cool. I've been loving it ever since. It was a really, it was a tough decision. We had to let go of some staff. We had to restructure a lot of things. Um, but it was very freeing to not always be thinking of, well, how do I get enough work to hire this next person to do to do the work I want to do this work at the quality I want to do it? We need more people, but if we get more people, we need more work. And yeah, It's just a, a treadmill that you're on. Yep. You know, and, and it, it ties back into what we were talking about earlier. You know, you, you have to find, you know, you, you, you downsize the number of clients that you were going to work with, but they became the right clients. And, you know, and, and so, you know, you didn't take money off the table. Now you may have, you know, just because it sounds like you, you got really big and were, were very successful, but you know, you, now it's the, the right money for the right reasons. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that's where, so many people have difficulties because we have bills we have to pay. You know, we have vacations we want to take, all of those things. And But then we lose our focus because we get so caught up in that that we forget that, you know, we wanted that so that we could take vacations, so that we could, um, you know, buy somebody a special gift, whatever it is. And so I love that you recognize that and thought, okay, let's, let's do something different. Well, and the business definitely became... 
it became a job and I didn't start a business to have a job. I right. started a business to do something I was really passionate about and enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, like you said, you one of the, the processes you went through was to reach out to people you trusted and say, what do you think? Um, did they, you know, I'm, you, you said they were very encouraging, but did they also think you're nuts? You know, why are you wanting to change things? I got a lot of that. Um, people were actually really, it was like, so I think I'm going to blow up my business and kind of just restart it. And everyone's like, you seem oddly okay with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I am. I guess it's, it's just time. And they had seen that I had been stressed out for a while and wasn't really in the swing of things to the level I wanted to be. So mm-hmm. once they saw that I could say, I'm blowing it up and it's going to be great, they're like, well, it seems like the right decision. Right. And then, of course, the, the cool thing is when they say, what can we do to help? Yep. You know, and, and even if it's just that they provide you, you know, a, a glass of wine when you needed a glass of wine or, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I think that is something that the business owners do get caught up in. We think, you know, this is, is what we've done. We have to stick with this. Um, I kind of did the same thing last year. What what the heck was going on with 2016? I mean, you know, there's you know, just, I know a lot of people saying the same oh, thing. Weirdness in the air. Um, I was diagnosed in 2015 with breast cancer. Um, and, uh, pff, you know, as I tell people, I told, I looked at that doctor and I said, I'm sorry, this is not in my schedule. <laughs> and, you know, long story short, things didn't go the way we had planned. And, and, um, it was, it got very, very dicey. Um, you know, and, and so I, I lost almost a year worth of work while I was recuperating and I am still, you know, in the, in the process of recuperating. So that's kind of an interesting process, but I did, you know, as part of that, you know, when you're laying there doing absolutely nothing for weeks, your mind goes back to what I said earlier, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I had kind of started that process before of, you know, was my business doing what it wanted? Was I doing what I wanted with it? You know, all those things. And so kind of this forced downtime made me rethink um, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's funny, both you and I had something catastrophic that happened, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, you know, business owners and entrepreneurs, you know, if, if it's not something now you're not going to be, you know, happy, happy, happy every single day with every single project. You know, I'm sorry if you are, there's some drugs that you're taking, but you know, <laughs> and share if, them. yeah, I mean, really, um, <laughs> I have some of those, but oh, no, um, do we die? We really digress there, but, um, you know, it's, it, um, Think it through. You know, if, if it really is a job, then think about how you can retool it. Um, you know, and 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 but don't you know don't do it quickly. You know, obviously Jennifer took a long process. You know, you you really thought about it. You because you were you know not only was it changing for you, you mentioned you had to let employees go, and I'm sure that was you know extremely difficult. It was not easy. Um, thankfully, they seem to understand why mm-hmm. it was happening and they weren't completely shocked that it was happening. Cause I had very open communication with them mm-hmm. kind of what was going on, what I was, where things were. Um, but it's still hard and it's someone, it's someone's livelihood. They have a mortgage payment, right. they have bills to pay. They mm-hmm. talk about this vacation they want to go on and, you feel like you're taking it away from them, but mm-hmm. ultimately I just, I 
dedicated some of my resources to helping them find new jobs. I wrote them recommendation letters. I did my part to make sure they could land on their feet quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and it's interesting because, you know, as a woman, do you think you dealt with it a little bit differently because we tend to be a little bit more nurturing? Um, that's certainly possible because there was definitely one of the employees I let go. I realized in December that they weren't going to make the cut. Um, but it was the middle of December, the week before Christmas. Oh, mm-hmm. Her birthday, her fiance's birthday were right after Christmas. New Year's is a really big tradition in her family. So that's another thing. Like it's her favorite week of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, do I want to, yeah, do I want to ruin that? I don't want to ruin that, but I know what I have to do. Mm-hmm. So I waited until after the new year to make, to let her know so that mm-hmm. it didn't cloud that week for her. And right. she appreciated it and uh, just get through it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you, you have to make the tough decisions, you know, as, as the business owner. And, and obviously it doesn't matter if you're male or female and, and, you know, and, and of course we care about the people we work with, about our clients, all of those things, but it does ultimately come back to you. Um, you know, and, and I think that's something that sometimes people, we don't forget, but we do get so caught up in, I can't do that because it will affect somebody else. So I'm going to keep doing something I absolutely hate because I don't want to. And, you know, things will turn out the way they're supposed to turn out. You know, and, and, and you can't, you know, you can't give yourself a heart attack or give yourself a stroke because you've worked yourself into an early grave. Um, you know, and, and I think that's something that especially small business owners and entrepreneurs really need to think about is what is their quality of life? Um, you know, granted, when you first start out, you might be working 80 hour weeks and, you know, all of those things. But I had know, someone recently mm-hmm. asked me how many hours of work I, how many hours I work each week. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't keep track. Like, yeah, I have no concept of how many hours I put in. Right. I couldn't tell you if it's 80 or 30 because mm-hmm. it's just part of my life. Right. Like, you and you're doing what needs to be done. Yep. You know, and 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 it varies. I mean, yeah, there are weeks where you're doing a whole bunch and then the next week, not so much. And, and you know, I, people know that I, I do a lot of training on social media and they will say, well, how many hours a day do you spend on Facebook? And I said, you can't ever judge your use by me. I said, because, you know, I have Facebook on almost all the time. You know, I have to. I'm, you know, monitoring my clients. I'm, you know, doing all sorts of stuff. And I said, so, you know, if I tell you the hours that I spend, you're just going to cross your eyes and go, oh, my God, I, I can't do that. Um, but, you know, it, it is something that, is, you know, is a challenge for small business owners is figuring out that work-life balance, um, yep. you know, and, and, and it, it, it's about sometimes creating those boundaries. You know, I, you know, for the most part, my clients know that even though I work from home, I have pretty standard business hours. Clearly I'm checking my email at night, you know, and, and I've told them, I said, you know, if there's really something, text me, that's, that's going to get my attention fastest. Um, you know, and, and, and it's, you know, because I also might be traveling or something. And so a text is going to reach me. I don't really do weekends. I don't do evenings. That said, I'm still working, you know, I'm, I might spend four or five hours on a weekend working. I just, you know, it's just that the clients don't know that I'm doing that. Um, but then I also might take an entire Wednesday off and, and go shopping. Um, you know, that's kind of one of the benefits of, of owning your own business is you can oh, yeah. set your own schedule. 
Well, my husband is in the real estate business, so we're both self-employed. Mm-hmm. So it's equal parts awesome and crazy. Um, right. You never know how much money you're making in a given month because mm-hmm. it's just the way the world works. Right. right. Um, or our world works. Mm-hmm. But we've done trips where we're like, hey, let's just go to we're three hours from the beach. Let's just go to the beach for the week and we'll work mm-hmm. kind of some shifted hours, spend some time on the beach, relax at night, do something different. And right. it's great that technology and everything has enabled us to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I mean, that is the cool thing is, it, you know, any place I have Wi-Fi access, I can pretty much work. Um, you know, there were times when I was in the hospital that my clients never knew. Because the hospital had really good Wi-Fi, you know, and, yeah. and it, you know, it gave me something to do, and you know, and, and so yeah, I would just work merrily along, and then they'd find out later that I'd just spent the last seven days in the hospital, and they were like, "But, but you were working," and I said, "Yeah, because you have to pass <laughs> time while you're sitting in the yeah. hospital." You know, I was just sitting there, folks. I wasn't doing anything besides just sitting there. Yep. Um, and uh, but but yeah, so that's and obviously it depends on the the type of business you're in. You and I are in uh, luckily in a business where we really can work remotely. Um, you know, we can work from the beach, we can, you know, work evenings, weekends, whatever works to, to do it. And, um, you know, so as business owners, when you're setting up a business, take those things into account. Um, you know, do you have a family? Do you, you know, do you absolutely have to stop everything by three o'clock every day or, you know, whatever. And, you know, sometimes doing your own business isn't going to work. Well, and there's the, you can have anything you want in life, but you can't have everything. Mm-hmm. So it, for me, with the shifting of the business model, if it was going to keep going down the path it was going down, I had to give up a lot of work-life balance. I had to do all the business development and help with client relations and help with training my staff and finding new staff. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that. When I, I had a health scare when I first started the business, I had a seizure for no reason. Oh. Two months before my wedding, shopping for craft supplies for the wedding, I Mm -hmm. just, like a log, fell over, had a seizure, woke up in the ambulance, um, spent two days in the neuro ICU, kind Mm -hmm. of bunch of tests. They never figured Mm -hmm. out what happened. But while I was sitting there, I'm like, why do I care so much about the job that I have? There's not much growth potential. I don't, like... I have no ownership of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a dead end opportunity for me. So I that was kind of where Dashmore started was I want to do a job that I'm passionate about. I want to do mm-hmm. a job that has flexibility where I'm not stressed if I end up being in the hospital for two days. Like right. I yeah, the war- yeah, it goes on. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you know, and- and, you know, we talk about the fact that you, you really need to be passionate about your job and love it. And, yeah, there are times I absolutely hate doing my own bookkeeping. <laughs> um, you know, that's just one of those things. And But then there's other things that you can do. You know, I have now a producer for my radio program because there's a lot of work that goes into doing a program twice a week. You know, there's getting the guests. There's coordinating with the guests. There's, you know, all these various things. I liked doing that. It really was fun to me, but I had to sit down and think, is this the best use of my time? Yep. And that little voice inside me went, no. <laughs> and so I hired a virtual assistant, um, you know, and, and absolutely love working with her. She does a fabulous job. 
and it's it has freed up so many things because now I don't have to worry about those details because I have faith and I know she's going to get them done. Um, you know, and, and so that's, you know, that's kind of one of those things that you have to think about too, is do you need somebody to help you do some of these projects? And there's so many, because of technology, there's so many opportunities out there now for outsourcing bookkeeping, outsourcing right. your schedule, outsourcing, mm-hmm. I mean, you name it, there is someone out there that you could pay to do it. Mm-hmm. Just right. have to do the pros and cons of does this, is it worth it mentally? Is it worth it? financially, whatever, to make it work. Mm-hmm. And you know, and a lot of times, many of us became business owners because we might be, shall I say, a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's really hard to let go of some of those things. But when you do, it's like, wow, holy cow. You know, and, and then you, you can focus on the things that you really need to be doing. Yep. You know, and, and, you know, it's, it's funny, I'm looking at your website and I'm thinking, well, see, there's a reason why you and I are getting along because you talk about your ability to hurt yourself is unmatched. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm one of those. I can, I can, you know, fall down over absolutely nothing. Yep. Um, but more importantly is bacon beagle. <clears throat> we have beagles. Oh okay. yeah. Today is Diva's birthday. She's six. Um, and you know, so anybody who has beagles is just, you know, absolutely phenomenal in my book. Our, we joke ours is broken. She doesn't bark. Ours really don't bark either. I mean, Diva will bark, but she has kind of this funny little bark, and and it's very definitely her bark. We know it's her. But ours don't bay. They don't do, you know, the, the typical beagle type of, of behavior. And, yeah. And, um, so I don't know. Yeah, we must have broken beagles also. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's get back to the, the subject at hand. You know, you are a female business owner. Why, you know, what are the perks and the challenges that that you face as a female business owner? Um, And this is one of those questions that I always find fascinating with just dialogue that people are having these days. But Mm -hmm. there are definitely times where I am treated like the only woman in the room or I've been the only woman in the room and I can see men react differently to that. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I walk in and act as an equal. I don't right. view it, I don't view my age or my gender or anything else as a factor. It's really, hey, this is the job that needs to get done. I'm going to go mm-hmm. in and do it. And I'm going to do it the way I honestly believe it should be done for these reasons. Mm-hmm. And that's either going to work for you or it's not. And mm-hmm. I've had success with that logic. Sure. There's opportunities that I know if I was, there's been more than once where I feel like if I had been a male or in Baltimore, what high school you went to, cause there's a lot of upscale private high schools makes a big difference. So if you're a, oh, Calvert, okay. if you're a Calvert Hall grad, you can get work that other people wouldn't get. And it's a weird thing that everyone acknowledges is the case, but mm-hmm. There's also plenty of other opportunities out there and I'm going to keep chugging along and taking advantage of the ones that I get and not mm-hmm. stress about the ones I don't. Right. Well, and the ones you don't, you weren't supposed to get anyway. Yep. You know, and, and it's interesting because, you know, I, I am the, the, uh, the older demographic. I'm a baby boomer. And so a lot of times I was the only female in the room, um, you know, and, and 
it never really phased me. I mean, I was brought up to believe that, you know, there weren't, I could, actually, my mother brought me up to believe that, you know, women were better. And, um, you know, and, and so, you know, it didn't phase me being the only woman in the room. But you're right, there are definitely sometimes some challenges. Um, and, you know, I adapted. One of the things that, that I did was I learned a lot about sports. I like sports, you know, so it wasn't a challenge. But that gives me something that sometimes I can talk to those guys about. Yep. You know, I can, you know, uh, talk about March Madness, Super Bowl, you know, all those various things. And, um, you know, and, and so I've I've done that. I mentioned at the start, I'm not one of those pink people. You know, I'm, I'm not marketing to women and doing it in pink. Um, you know, and I'm really not the, you know, I have, you know, I, I absolutely love all my, my friends and, and, you know, all the support that they have given me during, you know, my, my illness. But I'm, you know, I have one pink shirt that I wear, you know, that talks about breast cancer. And, you know, I'm, I'm my husband, you know, was shopping for a car and they have this whole big dealership thing here in, in Georgia where, you know, it's drive pink and they'll make a donation. And it's like, no, uh-uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the, I'm not the token. I'm not your pink person. I'm not your survivor. Um, you know, if somebody asks me about it, I'm more than happy to share information and, and all of that. But it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's on the back burner for me. And, and so it's, you know, I'm, I'm not going in the room, you know, as the, I'm the survivor, you know, or, you know, I'm, I'm not going into the room. I'm the only woman here. It, we're, you know, it's, it's, as you said, we all go in or we should, you know, at, at least in our own mind on equal footing. Yep. And I think that makes, it's not easy for everyone to do. Um, right. It's very challenging for some people and, but that's true of everything. Public speaking mm -hmm. is not everyone's forte. Doing different things is not something that comes naturally to everyone. Mm -hmm. But I'm actually working with someone in town. We're going to put together a workshop for women on how to present, how to have more confidence, how to mm -hmm. not be intimidated by being a woman presenting to a room full of men. It happens mm -hmm. a lot in marketing where marketing is a lot of women and mm -hmm. The people we're pitching to are men. So right. without playing into stereotypes, how can you get their attention and get the job done? Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that, that you, know, you mentioned is that you, know, you started a business at a very young age. Did you find that that caused different challenges? I, yeah, it did. Um, <laughs> I made a point not to mention our age too much, especially when mm -hmm. we first started. I was right. 24. Mm -hmm. um, so I just didn't mention it. And I had a lot of experience. I was crazy in undergrad. I did six internships and three part-time jobs mm -hmm. that were field-related while double majoring. Mm -hmm. So I already had a lot of experience from financial to consumer packaged goods to nonprofit space and kind of played that up. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't have experience in your specific industry, but I understand it and I get it. Right. And mm -hmm. I've done research to further that understanding and mm -hmm. it made it work. Now that we've been in business for longer and we've built our reputation, I do bring up the fact that we're millennials because it's a selling point. Right. We get it. We mm -hmm. understand technology. We grew up with it. We're not mm -hmm. learning the new way of marketing. We're just learning the only way of marketing we've ever known. Mm -hmm. 
so what about kind of the opposite? You know, I, I mentioned the fact that I was, you know, I did a seminar last night on LinkedIn and I was one of the younger people there, you know, and, and, and it's definitely a challenge for people when they're in the job market, you know, or, you know, it, it would be a little bit different starting your own business, but you know, when you're more mature, because, you know, I think there's in a lot of cases that, you know, people assume that millennials don't have the knowledge and experience. And I think when we start looking at the older demographics, it's, well, you know, why would I want to hire you, work with you, whatever, because you're not going to be doing this as long, um, you know, and, and I think that's, in fact, you know, people have said, you know, I, I don't want to put my picture on LinkedIn because, I, you know, it's going to show that I'm older and all of these things, you know, and, and from your perspective as a millennial, you know, it, it, I'd find it very interesting to, to know what you think about that. Um, the reality is no one's at a job for that long anymore. Like, right. You're not hiring the 30 year employee. That's mm-hmm. unheard of. I know one of my dad's friends has only had two jobs her entire life, friendlies as a waitress and then working for a computer company. And she's just mm-hmm. worked her way up there and retired mm-hmm. there. But if you really think about the fact that people are only going to be there for three years, uh, depending on the industry, it's less. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's just, are you going to be the right person for the next three years? Right. And there's so many studies that diversity in the workplace, ages, gender, background, what have you, makes a better team. It mm-hmm. gives you more perspectives. It gives you everything. So I guess to combat that, whether you're young or whether you're old, is just know your strengths and mm-hmm. find the opportunities where you can capitalize on them. Right. You know, and I love what you said about you know, creating a team that is is mixed because it comes all the way back to what we were saying at the start of the program. You know, your target market, you know, might be people in various categories. You know, and and so, you know, I'm I'm not exactly sure I would know how to market to millennials or, you know, even younger. So I would want somebody who's going to tell me this is how to reach them. And maybe it is just, you know, which platform do I use? You know, all those various things. Whereas, you know, somebody who, you know, is in their 20s isn't going to know how to market to somebody that's, say, my mother's age. Um, you know, so you have to build those teams and those networks to, to really be able to leverage all of that. Yep. And it's always trying to put yourself in someone else. You have a lot of experiences. I've traveled. I've just volunteered for a bunch of things. I can see other perspectives pretty easily. And it's always interesting to put yourself in someone else's position. How are they thinking? Mm -hmm. How are they viewing it? Um, I joke my dad is always my uh, stereotypical old man. Like, what would my dad do? (laughs) And What would dad do? How Mm -hmm. would he think of this? And it's definitely an interesting thing to just, Look at it from that other perspective. It'll change how you approach pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. And it makes conversations a lot easier, too, when you know where the other person's coming from. Right. Or you're curious and you ask. 
Yep. I mean, you know, that's that's going to be one of the good things is is to go in and ask. Now, you don't want to ask, you know, a client, well, how, you know, how best to reach? I mean, you do because you mentioned that at the start. You go through when you're, you know, initially working with someone, all of those questions and you're forcing them to think about that. And, um, you know, sometimes it could be that they're going to look at you and say, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm guessing many times they say, I don't know. That that may be why they're having to hire you is they're, they've been stumbling. They've been struggling. And, you know, and, and so they're going to, to work with you to figure out what the heck they've been doing wrong and how do they fix it? Well, and that's sometimes they don't know or sometimes they're like, well, this is the reason. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. dig deeper. So that's the reason on the surface. But what's like the innate, like unconscious reasoning that they're doing something that they're doing Mm -hmm. and if you can get to that it could be a simple change in your wording or a simple shift of how you position something it'll make a huge difference Mm -hmm. you know and and it's really important to always be reviewing things and thinking you know because times change you know back to, to social media you know people who were really 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 focusing on using say their Facebook page to reach the their fans you know that's not happening anymore even if you're spending major ad money you're still really not reaching a lot of the people that you could be you know and and so is it the fact that you know you shouldn't be there at all well no probably not I mean Facebook is still going to be around probably for quite a long time but you need to rethink it you know you mentioned how you do different type of posts depending on you know what you're you know where you are on Facebook, um, you know, do different type of ad campaigns. Um, I ran a, uh, I boosted a post for a client not long ago and they had done a very cool drone video of their property and it's an under construction property. So this, this was showing, you know, the, the status of the construction. Now you'd think that's kind of boring. It's been viewed over 5,000 times and, you know, and, and it's a, it's a cool drone, they did a really good job with production. You know, they it's it's been edited well. It has music. You know, all these and it's short. I mean, it's it's a minute and twelve seconds, I think. You know, and and but yeah, over five thousand times. Um, and and the initial thought was really, you want a, a video of the building. And so now, of course, we're like, okay, now we need them for all of the properties. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so it's it is a matter of rethinking what's out there and what is popular at the time. Don't get caught up in, well, we've always done it this way. Yep. So how do you, you know, you've, you've got all these tools, you know, let's talk a little bit more about a dash more creative. Um, so say it's a brand new client, you know, we've, we've got just about five minutes left and they've come to you and they've said, Jennifer, we have this widget that we sell. It's the greatest widget in the world. And we used to sell more of it than anybody in the world. Now other people sell kind of the same widget and, and our market is dropping. You know, what are you going to tell them in, in five minutes? <laughs> um, I know that's like a, a five day conversation. <laughs> I mean, in those situations, we really try to look at the whole situation. So mm-hmm. we look at finances, we look at trends, we look at, um, we'll interview customers, do focus groups, do surveys, try to understand what, what really changed. So is it just that other people are doing it or is it that no one really needs that widget anymore because everybody has the widget, they have the widget or there's another way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's so many apps and so many 
new things coming out all the time that the way you used to do something isn't the way you do it anymore. There's a recent Modern Family episode that was joking about how the parents had an app for everything and the daughter used the app to get someone to clean her room because she was supposed to clean her room. So she used an app to hire someone. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, people don't always realize that just because your widget was really great five years ago doesn't mean that that's the only way of doing it. Or maybe people don't even need to do the thing the widget does anymore. Right. And maybe you need widget 2.0. Yep. And that's... You know, and- I mean, and that's what's got to be cool about what you do is really working with people to to walk them through this and kind of giving them all of these aha moments. Definitely. And it's incredible to see people have the aha moments and even better when you can see that result on their bottom line or just everyone feels better about what they're doing. Maybe the financials don't change, but they don't feel like they're fighting as much. It's Mm -hmm. a smoother process. So less time has to get wasted and that's just as valuable. Right. You know, and and I think one of the things that, that I really want to emphasize here is the fact that we get caught up in our own world and our own way of thinking about what it is. And many times it really does take working with someone else you know, to, to get those aha moments and to see those things, because we're used to doing it that way. We've been trained to do it that way. This way has been successful and yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's where it really helps to work with an agency like Jennifer's. We've even joked we need to hire an agency to do our own marketing because we're too close to it. Right. right. I do. I have somebody that does my own marketing. Yep. You know, I outsource that. And, and I had struggled. It was, you know, when I was thinking about, you know, what I was switching the business to and, and I knew what I wanted it to be, but then I got stuck. And I thought, okay, this is stupid. Hire somebody who really knows what they're doing. And, you know, he came back with stuff that was exactly what I wanted, but totally blew me away. Mm-hmm. So one more time, Jennifer, because we are almost at the top of the hour, tell people how they find you and connect with you online. Sure. Our website is a dashmorecreative.com. And from there, you can get links to our Facebook page, Twitter page. Um, You can read blogs that we've posted. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Jennifer. So it's Jennifer K. Dodson would be the, or no, I actually, no, what is my LinkedIn? It's Jennifer. Let's see, let's see. (laughs) Um, Jennifer Dodson, add me. (laughs) Uh, ADMC. So it's, when we, for Dashmore Creative, we'll say ADMC for short. That's it. So it's Jennifer Dotson ADMC on LinkedIn. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm lucky enough on LinkedIn that I you know got my own name because it's it's a, an uncommon enough name that that worked. I was really happy when I got married to Dotson because Baker. There were so many Jennifer Bakers oh, out more there. Bakers. That oh dear. It, I've at least narrowed it down with Dotson. Right, right. I think there's only three or four Deb Creers, so I'm pretty lucky. There you go. <laughs> but. Well, Jennifer, this has been absolutely delightful. And, Agreed. you know, I hope what we've we've shown people is that they can, you know, take challenges. They can, you know, make changes in their life. It's okay. Um, you know, if they are a business owner, it's also okay to say help. You know, help me through this project. I need, you know, need some, some assistance. And it's just been great getting to know you. Great. Thank you very much for the opportunity and the great conversation. Perfect. Well, I'm sure we will do it again. Um, And until then, everyone have an absolutely fabulous day. 
for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.